Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's September 16th, 1880. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. It was on this day that the student newspaper, the Cornell Daily Sun, was founded. And interestingly, it was only 15 years after the Ivy League university that it's associated with came into existence itself. Yeah, well, you say interestingly. Interestingly, if you are three ex-student journalists doing a podcast, <laughs> which you get to choose a date from history of significance. <laughs> so the issue consisted of eight pages and cost three cents. And in the years since, it has become the oldest continuously independent college daily newspaper in the United States. I mean, I mean, how does that not sell itself? <laughs> I was surprised to find out that it predated the first UK yeah. student newspaper, though. I went in there with my colonialist assumptions, thinking that we would have beaten them handily to that title. By 300 years or something. Yeah, I thought it would have been, you know, like some runes that had been scratched into a stone. <laughs> but it turns out the oldest UK student newspaper is the student you could afford to be unoriginal with the name obviously given the circumstances but that was founded seven years later by of all people robert louis stevenson when he was a student at the university of edinburgh oh yeah but we've got a celebrity founder that's pretty good (laughs) and a celebrity editor of sorts uh gordon brown was the (laughs) is he a celebrity i don't know (laughs) yeah it's clutching skip forward a century though but he was the editor in the 1970s so that was interesting their biggest ever scoop was from Gordon Brown when he was news editor, um, which was that the university was investing in apartheid South Africa. Ah. And as a result, the university had to withdraw and disinvest from a whole nice load of things. Nice work, Brown. You won't find those kind of scoops in the first issue of the Cornell Daily Sun, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, did, I did have a little leaf through. Not dissimilar in many ways to modern university newspapers. Mm. It includes things like campus sports reports, names of new students, some like horrible amateur poetry that they obviously couldn't get rid of. That's bad, isn't campus it? Campus notices, that kind of thing. However, it does also contain some jokes. I don't know if you came across these. Okay, try me. I haven't read it. Give me a Cornell Daily Sun joke from 1880. Well, gird your loins, get ready yeah. to laugh. <laughs> Thought I should specify to laugh because you yeah. probably won't have that cue naturally. Uh-huh. This was the only joke where I actually understood what the joke was, even though I did yeah. not laugh. The others are just impenetrably based in the 1800s. Okay, uh-huh. village people are said to be more aristocratic than those of the country because they have more highways. Oh... Okay, so the joke. That's how they laugh in Australia. It's good. That's that's actually that's actually rambunctious <laughs> laughter in Australia. It was in the eighteen eighties. <laughs> <joke that, laughs> so is the joke that the villages are higher ground? No, they've got cities? highways. They they have highways, but they also have highways, highways which makes oh, I see. Them more oh no, but I assume no, no. I did get that pun, but I just thought they didn't have highways in eighteen eighty. Yeah. So highwaymen. Oh, those kind of highways, right, yeah. But they didn't have... Oh, no, yeah, do you America, see what I mean? It freeways, kind of requires, anyway, it requires yeah. almost a total to reorganisation of, <laughs> of the mind to, to get to a place where you can smile at that. Yeah. Well, equally or perhaps more amusing to my mind were all the adverts in the first issue, and they're 
definitely worth reading in the way that probably, frankly, adverts in any newspaper from the time would be worth reading. So they're advertising Joseph Gillett's steel pens, I guess was an innovation at the time, Wall's men's and ladies' fine boots, but then you had this great one. One ad reads just this. If you don't know what an autophone is, find out. That's good. That's sophisticated marketing, isn't it? But did you find out? I hope you found out. Because now you could use that exact copy, but there would be a hashtag. (laughs) Yeah. Or a QR code. (laughs) But like, how do you find out? You just have to ask your mate. What's an autophone? Yeah. Um, Well, so I went to uh, the internet and consulted it, and apparently it was an early type of organette, invented in 1878 by Henry Bishop Horton. And it's one of those tabletop wheeze box piano things that plays through a piece of card with holes punched in it. Ah. Essential for any student. Yeah, get it in for your next disco at the (laughs) Student Union. (laughs) So because the newspapers were quite short at the time, the first was obviously eight pages, as I said, but each subsequent issue was four pages, it was possible to kind of power through quite a few of them um, in the course of my research. And so I read up to issue 14. So you're up to all the news of October 1880. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was daily. So, yeah. The best bit about the first 14 issues was where they reviewed the bicycle. And what they said about the bicycle was that they're beautifully made and engineered, but the question might be asked, what are they good for? And the answer that they say is, well, they take to a certain and rather limited extent the place of a horse. They require no food, no care, no harness, but can be driven by men only with some skill in the art, which I'd say is also true of riding horses, by the way. Yeah, I feel like it's harder Um, to ride a horse. I would say so, yeah. Or unless are they talking about the penny farthings, though, because they always did seem Mm. like they might be quite difficult. Oh, they looked really hard, yeah. That's a great (laughs) assignment as a student journalist, though, isn't it? Like usually it's like, I'll review this CD that no one's ever going to hear about ever again. And you actually get to be the student journalist who reviews the bicycle for the posterity. Bicycle. Well, for whoever got that assignment, they actually predicted this. They said, it is one of those rages, like many games and amusements, which carries everything before it for a short time and then, becoming monotonous and tiresome, dies out and is forgotten. So that's what they thought was going to happen to the bicycle. The autophone, by contrast. <laughs> Obviously, the Cornell Daily Sun is still going. It being continuous is the one fact we know. (laughs) I was surprised to find out that in 2003, there's like an alumni association just for people who worked on the newspaper. Mm -hmm. They purchased Mm -hmm. their own building in downtown Ithaca and it actually has full-time employees. It's mostly staffed by students, obviously, around Mm. working around their degrees, but it also has full-time production staff. And it just really made me think, this is another thing. This is like university sport, where the US is so different to the UK. It's like basically sports and journalism at university in the uk they exist and the people who enjoy doing it enjoy doing it but literally no one else gives a single (laughs) and there is not one penny in any of it (laughs) and if you translate the mottos from latin that is what they say Can you imagine? Well, I did a a rare bit of actual journalism to put the pair of you to shame Mm. and actually got in touch with the current editor, uh, Catherine Stamm of the Cornell Daily Sun. Wow. And just asked her a few questions. I was particularly interested in that thing about how you manage to balance your studies against doing what is now like it's a daily newspaper. Because like I I did the university newspaper in Sydney, but it was like a weekly thing and you could sort of pop in on Friday and like just stay up 
all night and bash it out and then you'd be able to do your studies as well. Whereas this is a daily thing. She was a little bit cagey on the subject, actually, but she was like, no, 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 it's easy. It's easy to do. Though that said, we do um, have to like knock off from our studies in the evening and then we regularly work till 1am on a good night and some nights go later. And I was like, man, that is brutal. (laughs) Like university at the best of times is hard and particularly when you're paying US fees to be here. Presumably by being editor of the Cornell Daily Sun, like she's got her career lined up afterwards. I mean, as much as anyone can in news print journalism, she's got her career lined up afterwards. And so the point of her doing the degree is to do that rather than the degree. Yeah. And some of their alumni are these fairly high flying people from the New York Times and another one won a Pulitzer Prize last year. There are a dozen Pulitzer Prize winners among the alumni of the Sun and also the likes of Kurt Vonnegut and E.B. White, who wrote Charlotte's Web. Ooh, good writer. Were both on staff. I'm assuming you did some student journalism, Rebecca. Yes, I did. What was your speciality? Tell me you didn't write the crossword. No, I was joint film editor with Hugo Gordon, shout out Hugo, Uh um, on The Oxford Student, which is one of the two student newspapers in Oxford. I didn't know that. See, I work for the other one, Cherwell. I was going to say, Cherwell. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Cherwell was the push. That one, I, the Oxford student felt more accessible to me. So, and I was right because it, it took me straight away. <laughs> I actually did try to get on the crew of the Oxford student. They didn't take me, didn't write back to my email. So that's how I ended up on Cherwell because I wanted to write for the, the cooler one as well. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. My best scoop was I interviewed Alan Fletcher who played Cole Kennedy in Neighbours about doing Panto. That is good. It was good. What was he like? Tell, <laughs> tell all. Uh, he did a voicemail for me. When you call my mobile, it was like, I'm not going to do the accent. Aaron can do it. Uh, <laughs> it was like, hi, you've reached the voicemail of Dr. Carl. Only joking, it's Ollie's phone or something. Oh, that's nice. I had it for about 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the Spice World premiere. Brackets Ooh. in Australia. Wow. <laughs> and you got to interview... Wow. I got to speak briefly with Anna Kornikova. None of the Spice Girls would come over and talk to us. She didn't really have anything useful to say about the Spice Girls, unfortunately. Bunton would be kicking herself now, wouldn't she? Didn't get a chance to speak to <laughs> Arian McNichol. <laughs> Arian, I'm not trying to imply that your university's publication wasn't the most significant one in Australia, <laughs> but it didn't end up in federal court in Australia like Rabelais, the student publication mm. of La Trobe University in Melbourne, So Rabelais was a bit of a bolshy student publication. And in 1995, they published an article which basically explained to students how to shoplift in minute detail, including tips on what Mm -hmm. to do if you were caught. The issue was banned and it's still actually banned in Australia. There are people who host it online, but you actually couldn't print it and publish it in Australia still to this day. Well, my mate was editing on Issoir, the student newspaper at Sydney University at the time, and he reprinted it in solidarity with the La Trobe's students now he's in prison (laughs) he probably should be but yeah it was called the art of shoplifting and he reprinted it in full and did manage to dodge prison at the time he didn't get to speak to carl kennedy though did he so (laughs) tomorrow i mean you say it was probably a meteor but it was probably actually aliens love the show support the show patreon.com slash retrospectors Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.